Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I just want to let y'all know that there was a time when I was not in ministry. I was just anybody else. I was working a job, doing a career, and the Lord called me to ministry. And I had no idea what that meant. I had no clue. What does that mean, called to the ministry? I didn't know what it was going to look like ahead of me. What's going to be there? You know, and, and the Lord told me, leave your career. I had a career in radio for 20 years. I had all the benefits and the the vacation saved up. I could hire and fire all the stuff. And I mean, it was a good position to be in, but then leave it, just leave it. If the Lord came to you today and said, everything you've built up your whole life, walk away from it right now. That's what hit me. And I had no, okay, if I'm leaving all this, what am I going into? I I didn't know what it was. Didn't know what it was going to look like when I got there. But all I knew at the time was obey and go. That's all I knew just obey and go. And it's that simple. Obey and go. So today's message is called Nehemiah 2. Obey and go. So Nehemiah 2 verse 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Okay, remember, Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king. He brought him his wine. Apparently, there's a banquet going on. But for the king to notice something was wrong, he's got workers all over the place. He's got guys all over the palace, okay? Seems to me that it's apparent that Nehemiah and the king had a somewhat of a working relationship with each other. They kind of knew each other for him to be able to pick that out. There's something not right about you today. You know, he, he could tell something was off. And so since the two men knew each other, the king was not too concerned about breaking royal protocol. You know how strict Persian protocol is. I'm the king. And, you know, if somebody is having a hard time while I'm the king, I can't do anything about that for you. We, we got people for that. Uh, you remember that movie, Mr. Mom? They're at this big meeting table, and uh, the, the, the lady starts cleaning things up, and this guy goes, uh, we have people to do that. <laughs> Funny moment. Well, for the king, he has people to do everything. So he didn't worry about royal protocol that would have kept him from talking to a lowly cupbearer. I see something's wrong. What's going on, man? That's like a protocol issue. He didn't worry about protocol. So when the king asked him what was wrong, he put royal protocol aside because of his relationship with the man. I know some of y'all are seeing the Jesus parallel in this. 
forget royal protocol. I'm coming down to you. So he put royal protocol aside because they knew each other. Friends, I'll give you a hint. I wasn't going to run it till the end, but I'll give you a hint now. Jesus Christ, the king, did not worry about protocol to come all the way down to you and I. He came down to save us, despite what the king and the royal protocol should be. It was because he knew him. He, he knows us. And so this made things different for Nehemiah. This was a very different situation for him and the king. So Nehemiah 2, verse 2, So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Okay, he got scared here. You know, back in chapter 1, when God called Nehemiah to go help these Israelites, he was really, really afraid of telling the king about it. He did not want to tell him this because he knew that, and we had read it in Ezra, the king had once before given orders for Jerusalem to stop being built. Some guys lied to him. If, if Jerusalem takes power, they're going to be a big problem. So the king said, stop it. Stop building Jerusalem. So he's afraid to say anything about it. I want to remind you of where the king gave this order in Ezra 4.21. This is King Artaxerxes here. He says, now give the command to make these men cease that this city may not be built until the command is given by me. Take heed now that you do not fail to do this. Why should damage increase to the hurt of the kings? Now, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum, Shimshai, the scribe, and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews by force of arms made them cease. You stop building this town or we're going to kill you. That's with the orders of the king. So this is why Nehemiah was scared to tell him. So he goes, hey, I noticed you're sad. What's the matter? And now it hit Nehemiah. This is the point where I have to tell him. And he was scared to death because if he says, look, I want to go build the place that you ordered stopped, the king could say, well, you don't like my commands? Well, you're going to be executed. So I gave orders to shut this place down. Now you suddenly want to build it back up? You see how this could go wrong so quick? Okay, that's why he was afraid to tell the king why he was sad, because he wanted to build it. What the king said to stop building. I want us to be reminded of chapter 1, that Nehemiah prayed, Lord, if I'm going to do this, if you're going to call me to build up what the king said to stop, you're going to have to grant me mercy in the sight of this man. Give me mercy in his sight, because as soon as he finds out, he's going to have me killed. He's afraid for his life dreadfully afraid, because now it was time to let the king know. It's time to cough it up. This was also the time for Nehemiah to put his trust that God would deliver on the prayer that he asked, Lord, give me mercy in the sight of this man. So on one hand, he's afraid the king's going to kill him, but on the other hand, he, he prayed about it. Friends, when you pray about something, and, God, and you say, Lord, I call upon you to help me do this. And then the time comes for you to go. You got to pick fear or faith. Now, he was afraid, no doubt. He had it. Faith doesn't mean you're not afraid at all. Faith means you act on faith. He was a little scared. I get it. But now he had to act on his prayer. He had to work through his fear with the same pr faith that he had prayed with. So now 
that Nehemiah finally coughed it up. He finally said something. Now he really had to trust God would come through, right? You ever been put in that situation? When I was called to ministry, okay, and I quit my job, and everybody's like, you're doing what? In this career for 20 years and you're leaving? I'm like, yeah. Then I first stepped away from the comforts of all the, you know, the benefits and the money. And it's like, God, you're really going to have to come through now because here I am now. Okay. <laughs> this is where I can feel Nehemiah in this. He, he's out and he said something. And now he's really going to have to trust that God would protect him from being executed by the king. Now watch this. Nehemiah prayed, Lord. Oh boy, protect me from this king when I tell him, because when I say, he's liable to pop. So look at what's, watch what the king says next. This is real good. Nehemiah 2.4, then the king said to me, what do you request? That's what I would do. What did you just say? <laughs> You're getting all pent up. Oh, he's going to kill me. You know how we imagine the worst case scenario for every little thing? I mean, we do that. We hype it up and we make it worse. And we got to remember, well, I, I prayed. Why shouldn't we just say, I prayed. I'm just going to let God deal with this. But no, we get all pumped up. I mean, if I was Nehemiah here, I think my head would spin right off my shoulders. Well, did I hear you right? You, the king, you just literally asked me, what do I request? Did I hear you correctly? <laughs> I'd have been stunned. I bet Nehemiah was shocked. Have you ever been like this before? Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed to the Lord about something, and then he actually answered it, and then you didn't know what to do? I've been there. It's like I finally got it, and it's like, uh, you're speechless. And then God's like, well, you asked. Here it is. You know, we got to remember when we pray, we need to remember what we prayed for. So then when it happens, we, we know what to do. <laughs> okay. You pray, and he delivers. So. Guys, Nehemiah was scared, afraid, when he finally said something to the king. So he's thinking, I thought this guy was going to kill me for this. So watch what Nehemiah does next. Nehemiah 2 verse 4. So I prayed to the God of heaven. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you imagine, imagine this. The king says, what do you request? He's like, thank you, God. I don't know what it says prayer was like. I'm just giving you an idea. Thank you, Lord. Okay, king, anyway. <laughs> I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may, oh, here, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, he's going to kill me, that I may rebuild it. Okay, it's out now. It's out. I'm just... <laughs> I, I, I just laughed when I read the Bible, and he says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. I prayed to the God of heaven. <laughs> what do you request? Okay, God, I need you again. I need you again. Now what do I say? Now what do I, I'm just trying to track you in. <laughs> this is a tense moment here. <laughs> so thank God, thank God. Oh, thank you. So now that the king said ask, now he knows he can state his full request. I need to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And, guys, he said this. He made this request even though he knew that the king had once ordered it to be shut down. This is not just any man. This is the king of the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire. 
dragged the Israelites away. The Persian Empire grew up bigger than the Babylonians and even conquered the Babylonians. This dude is like the king of the world, okay? He is the big king. And he he said, I need to rebuild what you said shut down. Friends, you know, the Lord can open doors that were not open before. He can shut doors that nobody else can shut. He, You just pray in tune with his will and what he tells you to do, go and obey. Despite what the authorities and all these other people, all these people, you can't do that. You know how many people told me I can't do ministry? I had pastors tell me I can't do ministry. You can't do this. And Nehemiah is doing it. So I want you to notice that Nehemiah spoke with courtesy. I would have been, in, I would have probably wanted to jump around and run. He said, yes, he said, yes, okay, king, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. He kept himself calm. He spoke with control. He spoke with courtesy. He spoke in great humility. He called himself your servant. He didn't spike up and say, oh, good, you're good with it. Let's, let's do this. He kept himself controlled. Christians, keep yourself controlled. Don't react and fly off the handle. We're a very prone society to doing that because of that TV set. Everybody's spinning off going crazy. Control yourself, okay? So he kept himself low. He kept himself humble. But I want to show you something here, kind of easy to miss. I, I, it, it was a great discovery. The Lord was already working on Nehemiah's plan on what to go do uh, retroactively long before Nehemiah even knew how to pray for this. Nehemiah prayed for Jerusalem to be rebuilt. The Lord was already working on that plan long before Nehemiah ever found out about it. And I want you to take comfort in this because whatever plans the Lord gives you to go do, it's not like it just popped up last night. The Lord has already been working on it, so don't be afraid of it, okay? When the king ordered Jerusalem's rebuild to be shut down, the Lord had inserted a short protective clause or something, a little reserve statement into the king's command. When he said, shut it down, he put a little something in there in Ezra 4.21. He said that this city may not be built until, until the command is given by me. So you see, the option has been left open for it to be rebuilt at some point. This is before Nehemiah even felt the call. So friends, I, I want to cash in on this for a minute. When the Lord calls you to do something, even if it seems impossible, don't be afraid. God was working on it long before you ever came into the equation, okay? God knows what he's doing. And so this command here that the king gave, it was not permanent. Remember, if the Persians issued a decree, you couldn't reverse it, not even the king. By their law, the king couldn't even take it back. So he said, shut it down until <laughs> I give the command. It's not halted. It's on pause. This is great. So the Lord had a built-in feature uh, for Jerusalem to come back again, even built in within the command of the king of Persia that Nehemiah had been called to act upon. And this is, this is why God answered Nehemiah's prayer to grant him mercy before this king, because Nehemiah prayed in agreement with what God wanted to do already. Friends, don't pray against God's will. You need to know God's word, because if you don't know God's word, chances are a lot of what you're praying for is against what God has said he would do. We got to be careful about that, right? So he prayed in agreement with what God had already set in motion. He already had the king put in that little reserve statement until I say we can rebuild. Now Nehemiah is here scared to death. The king's going to kill me. Maybe he didn't know that the king said, let's just put a pause on it. I don't know. 
I'm just saying God has control of the whole thing. I just love this. And I always say, if the Bible does not excite you, you're not really reading it. (laughs) This is exciting stuff to me. Nehemiah 2, verse 6, Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Okay, it's like, so when do you get back? That's, that's like permission to me. I need to go do this thing. Okay, when do, when do you go? When do you come back? Now, that special mention about the queen being seated, seated there with him, this means that they're at a private meeting. We started with him giving wine to the king. It was a banquet. Okay, this is not a banquet anymore. Now we have a different setting. That This means this is a private meeting between the two of uh, the three of them, just them three. Because in Persian culture, it was not customary for Persian queens to appear at formal banquets. So we moved to a whole new setting. We were at a formal banquet. Now we're like, hey, come on back here. Let's me, you, and the queen go talk. Let's go talk, just the three of us. You see how serious it just got? Just by that little information, it got really, really focused. So the Lord had not only granted Nehemiah mercy. That was exactly what he prayed for. I pray this guy don't kill me. Okay, that's not happening now, answered prayer. But he had also granted Nehemiah a special private audience to hear him out with particular interest. They really wanted to know. I can imagine it's possible maybe the party was still going. Maybe the banquet was still on. Hey, Nehemiah, let's leave the party. We'll come back to this in a little bit. Let's go back here and let's talk. Do you see how the Lord God is in control of even the king's influence here? This is great. So the king's question. He said, when do you get back? When are you coming back? That means Nehemiah now had a God-given royal permission to get it done, and now nobody can stop it. It's great. I want us to try to understand a little bit of what happened here. The king could have taken Nehemiah's sad face very, very wrong in the wrong way. Like, what's wrong, guy? What's the matter with you? You don't look very happy. Don't you like working for me? Is the palace life of the Persian Empire not good enough for you? You're fired. Get out of here. I don't like your look. You, that, that could go wrong quick. He could have also said, who are you to try to counter what I commanded? I commanded it shut down. Who are you? You're just a cupbearer. Who are you to come tell me that we need to turn it back on? I'm just trying to show you how this could have gone wrong on so many levels in so many ways. And it, he could have shut Nehemiah down before even giving him the chance to, to talk. God chose Jerusalem as the place to put his name. This isn't Alvin, Texas here. This isn't Houston. This is Jerusalem. This is a very important city. God, was, since he put his name there, God was now influencing even the mind of the most powerful king on earth to deliver on the covenant promises that God made with Israel. This is not King Artaxerxes acting here. This is the Lord God acting through the king and now acting through Nehemiah. Friends, you need to know God's covenant so that you know how to pray. Well, my prayers don't ever seem to work. Well, you're probably praying the wrong way. Pray to covenant. Guys, this is a good story. My gosh, this is good. But also, don't miss how Nehemiah set a time with the king. He says, when are you coming back? And it says, I set him a time. This means that for the past four months, Nehemiah had been praying very 
faithfully, very strategically, because we were given the months, right? It was in the month of Nisan. Now we're in this other month. It's four months. He was praying. He was planning everything out according to God's influence. God says, I want you to do this. I bet he had papers out. He was writing stuff down. He figured out what it was going to take to accomplish the mission. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Before Nehemiah even had permission to act, while Nehemiah was, he was still scared out of his mind for even trying to tell the king about it, Nehemiah planned out exactly what he was going to do to get the job done. While he was scared and before he knew he was even going to be allowed to go, he planned it for four months. So when the king asked him, when will you be back? Then Nehemiah already knew what time frame to give him. Here's when I'll be back. I'd be thinking, if I was the king, dude, you've already got this figured out, don't you? Yeah, I've been working on it. <laughs> he got busy right away. He, well, I'll sit around and wait for the king to tell me if I can. Then I'll start. Guys, when God calls you, start working. Well, I don't see it coming out yet. Start working. When I was at my job, God called me to ministry. I wasn't in ministry yet. I had another 10 years to go at the job I was at, but I started doing gospel work there. I remember one day somebody told me, Ray, if you keep sharing the gospel in the workplace, you're going to get fired. This is a place of business. You leave your beliefs outside the door. And God told me, Ray, I know what they're telling you is, is scary, but if you will not do your ministry work here, you won't do it even if I put you in a church. So I had, I had to act now. When God calls you, act now. Don't say, well, I'll wait until I get this and that. And the other. No, act now. Because if you don't do it now, you won't do it then, okay? So he planned, he planned, he knew the time frame to give him. Now, what Nehemiah says next proves that he really thought everything out ahead of time. He thought of all the logistics, and all, he's going to show us his planning that he'd been working on in Nehemiah 2, verse 7. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me. See, he thought this out already. Let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. <laughs> I, just, I love this. Ray, you're going to be called to ministry. Go set up a church. Uh, how, how, how do I do that? What, what's it, what do I put in it? Where do, I, uh, where do we go? Uh, what are we going to sit on? I mean, God's like, I got all that. Don't worry about it. And he says, God put it upon me. Okay. Nehemiah was working with the Lord. They were sitting around the little planning desk all night for four months planning out. He knows when he's getting back. He knows what materials we need to do it. He's already probably built a little inventory list. Need lumber here. I need permits for that. The guy's been thinking, guys. He, he didn't get permission yet. He's been working. Oh, my gosh. He was a master logistics and projects planner. Okay. <laughs> Figured it out. Four months. All the ins and outs, everything he was going to need. And when the king granted all this to, to him, Nehemiah didn't go, look at me. I figured it all out. I just so I'm awesome. I, I, I got it done. That would be like me coming in here and going, yep, we're in this building with all this stuff because I figured it all out. Mm-hmm.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.